welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leland McRae. Yak Sports Podcast time. I'm Leland McRae. Joe Deck is with me. The state finals throughout the state are set for football, so we're going to talk about particularly the Riverheads game, but we're going to touch on all of them. So buckle up. Here we go. Joe, you and I were at Riverheads on Saturday along with Chip Crable for ESPN 1240. And we saw Riverheads take on, you know, one of the better teams they've played this year and absolutely roll them like they did the worst teams they played this year. They absolutely controlled the game, offensively really couldn't be stopped, and then made some major plays otherwise, particularly uh, Caden Cook-Cash on defense with the strip six, and, and just absolutely beat Essex like they were trash. And and really they aren't. They have athletes. They have talent. But Riverheads just has too much of everything and then blows them out of the water. Yeah, I think you're right. And, I, you know, that's probably the part that gets lost each week when I talk about what I think Riverheads is going to do their opponents. I, I don't think these are bad teams. Um, I just don't think they're Riverheads good. And that's what it boils down to. So I thought the strip sack, you know, when we talked to Coach Casto after the game in our post game, he mentioned it. And I totally agreed that strips uh, strip. That wasn't a strip sack, but the strips strip and six. score. Yeah, strip six, I guess, if you want to call it, from Kane Cook Cash. That changed the game. I, I yeah. thought maybe I – don't, I don't think Essex wins the game if that doesn't happen, but maybe it's a ball game for a little bit longer. But as soon as that happened, you could just feel like the Essex side of the field and the, and the stands over there just be like, uh-oh. And they didn't really have anything going offensively until right before halftime. And then what happens then? As soon as they get a heck of a touchdown on a, maybe the best catch I've ever seen at Riverheads High School or this area, period, calling high school football, uh, they immediately give up another touchdown. Yeah. And they miss the extra point. So it was just like no good deed went unpunished for Essex. And Riverheads was Riverheads. They dominated. Yeah. Even when Riverheads made mistakes. things went Riverheads way. Yeah, even when Riverheads made mistakes. That's what we always say. When you play Riverheads, if you want to beat them, when Riverheads makes mistakes, you have to take advantage of it. Well, even the Riverheads' mistakes were points. Like, they fumbled on the opening drive for them at the one. The ball goes into the end zone. Riverheads recovers. So it's a touchdown now when they fumble at the one. Then they had another fumble later in the game that they recover, lose 10 yards. The next play is a 40-yard touchdown pass. So... I just don't know what you do in that case if you're Essex. Riverhead's got to take advantage of what I think is maybe the dumbest room rule in all of VHSL football, that uh, pass interference is not an automatic first down. So I, You know what? And I, I want to come back to a different step, but right there, you know, we talked to Coach Casto about those, you know, questionable things we had about the refereeing out there. And, you know, he's, he's quick to say, oh, you know, I'm not the referee, you know, I'm the coach. And But I appreciated that at least he acknowledged, like, yeah, I would have thought that would have been a first down. Like, I'm, I appreciate that we weren't the only ones. I mean, I felt less stupid then that a guy that, you know, can coach eight state championships on his way to what we think is his ninth, you know, also looked at that the same way we did. Because every other level of football, that's the rule. And, uh, you know, before long, they need to change that here. You know, like, that should highlight the reason it needs like to today. Change. Yeah. Landon Leitner, you know. Actually, you know, you, you think that's a bad play, you know, because that ball is maybe too high for anybody to catch. And you're kind of, oh, man, that's that's a bad play there by the, the cornerback. But 
actually, if that's the penalty, that was a heck of a play. I mean, if you weren't sure he was, you know, maybe going to catch it, then just tackle him. And, yeah, because it goes from third and goal on the six. There was pass interference on the third and goal at the six. Now it's fourth and goal at the three. Or excuse yeah. me. Uh, I guess that was fourth and goal when they went for it and it was an incomplete pass. Because they no, I can't I remember know. the situation. I, I, we can rewatch the video, but yeah, but either way, it wasn't a first down. Yeah, I mean, so then it was fourth, fourth, and fourth and goal at the down. three, and and they don't get it. And I was like, yeah, I, I don't know why you don't coach your defense to do that every single time. Then, like, I, I, I don't know why you let any pass be playable in the end zone if it's not going to be an automatic first down on a goal to goal yeah. situation. And we've talked about that a lot, and that's more of us just focusing on a rule that's really messy. That had nothing to do with the outcome of this game. When you look at this, no, score, the game was over at that point. Yeah, uh, I mean, it was even yeah, worse than the forty-two to six. Yeah, not a factor. But what I, you know, the equation for Essex to come in this game and win is force two turnovers or first force two fumbles in the first quarter. Um, you know, and and they get that, and no, they still don't. They still aren't touching because Riverheads ends up benefiting either immediately or on the next play from both of those fumbles. Um, it's just like so many things. You, you want to hold Caden Cook cash to 10 carries for 54 yards. They did that. But he finds a way to hop on a fumble in the end zone. He finds a way on defense to score. And, you know, he just he finds every different way to be the man on the football field. Man, he makes big plays. I, was, I had forgotten last year during the state final against Galax, we're preparing for this game and what we're about to talk about, he was the one that blocked the extra point in the first half of that game against Galax. And then they kick off to Riverheads and he returns it for a touchdown. So he touches the ball twice in a row, keeps points off the board and scores a touchdown. I just, he is a football player. I, I can't, actually, he stands out so much to me for what he does. I think Riverheads has had so many good running backs. I think he stands out running the football. I, they've had a lot of good linebackers. I think he's really great on defense and getting better each week. And then there's those, special teams kickoff returns or you know what he does on defense that's you know not not what you're teaching him you know you're teaching forum tackling and getting people down and reading defense he's stripping the ball and going the other way you know he's just making those extra different plays and it always seems to go well for him and I just I can't I really can't get over it I just he stands out to me so much as a Riverheads football player from a storied history of Riverheads football players uh and you know you bring up a good point there because it just seems like in terms of height, he stands out. He's he's one of the bigger, taller players on the field too. And he has a build. He he does have that build. And like you said, I mean, Essex holds him to five point four yards a carry, which I you know, I joked at the end of the game during our post game, like slow day at the office for King Cook Cash, only having five yards a carry. Like but I mean for Riverheads running back, when you average five yards a carry, it's like, oh, what was wrong with you today? Like because yeah. they're usually averaging double-digit yards per carry. And and the problem for Essex is, yes, you did that to Caden Cook Cash, but then you had Burton have 12-something yards per carry. Ben carries 146 yards, two touchdowns. Yeah. You, and just back-breaking, back-breaking carries. Yeah, and so that's the problem. Riverheads has so many good backs, yeah. and they do such a good job at assignment blocking there. And, again, we talk about it every week. Every, everybody knows what their job is, and they do it better than the other team. And so – that's a problem, and you you can't stop just Caden Cook Cash. You have to stop Caden Cook Cash. You have to stop Luke Bryant. You have to stop Luke uh, Cole Burton. You have to stop Bennett Dunlap. You have to stop the passing game. They didn't do that. Five yeah. and six a touchdown. So 123 yards. Should have had another touchdown because Landon Lightner's two yards out of the end zone. Yeah, Landon Lightner <laughs> caught it, then froze at the two yard line. Yeah, <laughs> he just uh, was like, "Hey, a touchdown!" Oh, <laughs> but um, yeah. 
but it's just, you know, we'll get to it. They're going to play Galax again, and we saw this game a few months ago in May, and I just, I, I know Galax is bringing back a lot. They're not bringing back their quarterback. I know their quarterback now is also another good player, but I just don't think Galax has a chance in this game. I think this is a blowout. I think if it's close at halftime, I would be thrilled. I I think we are struggling to find nice things to say about how the game is going for Galax at halftime. And and when Chip asks us that question about, what do you do? I hope he doesn't (laughs) ask it to me. I hope he asks it to you this week because when he asked me at Essex during the Essex game, you know, oh, if you're Essex's coach, what's your message to your team? I'm like, oh, no one get hurt. Like, <laughs> we need you for basketball, man. <laughs> yeah. Guys, this sucks, but, uh, you know, sometimes your best just isn't good enough. I don't know. What, what is the message here? Like, uh, yeah, that's going to be the message for Galax. Like, I, I just don't think they're going to be in this ballgame for very long. What, what were some of the goods for Galax? Their quarterback, he's 14 for 24 two, for, for uh, Essex. He was 14 for 24, 262 yards and a touchdown. He also carried the ball 21 times, 102 yards and touchdown. They had a receiver, Cam Robinson, seven catches, 105 yards, and a touchdown. That seemed like to all happen in the first quarter, first half-ish area, and then he was tired. You could just see he was Mm -hmm. physically tired. He wasn't ready to take on, you know, he needed three times that, uh, you know, receptions and yards. Um, They, you know, I'm saying what those things were. Galax is going to need those kind of things if they're having any kind of approach where they're trying to keep up with Riverheads. They're going to need – you know, the 100-yard receiver plus. Uh, and, and that's yes. what Ashworth did last year for them. That's what he did at wide receiver for them last year. He had the big day catching the football, including Beeman, who ran the ball well. But last year, he was, um, man, I had the note here, um, 11 catches for 156 yards in the title game. What receiver is going to do that for Galax this week? Because Ian Ashworth is not playing receiver. He's going to play quarterback, and he's got to look at the day Pickett had last year, 25 for 43, 301 yards and three touchdowns. He's going to have to aim in that direction if they're trying to keep up with Riverheads anywhere. That resulted in a you know a 30-point loss to Riverheads last year. But you're going to hope to produce that much offense and then keep Riverheads a little bit closer. I, I, I think that's the obvious way you look at this game if you're – looking at a paper my thing is i think you need to limit riverheads i think the only way you can hope to win this game is if you keep them heck maybe under 10 uh but definitely under 15 i think you got to limit them to two scores or less and and try to just absolutely shut them down and i just i haven't seen on film from what i've watched who that you know caleb sperlin was from 2015 who absolutely shut riverheads down every time a running back was hitting the hole that sperlin kid was in it he was awesome. He was great. He was the player of that game. That's why he's at Appy State. That's why he's still at Appy State. He's a fifth-year senior at Appy State still playing. We're going to watch him in a bowl game. He's still impacting at that level of play because he, that's how good he was in high school or, you know, coming along that way in high school. Someone's going to have to be that guy. You look at Rayleigh Joe Vaught. I've heard about him ever since he was a freshman because Riverhead's played him when he was a freshman. I heard then he's the next Spurling. He's that kind of guy. Last spring, he did not show that. At Riverheads, in that game, he did not have that kind of impact, and that's why Riverheads put up 63 points. He or somebody else, maybe the middle linebacker, Colton Barnes, or one of those linebackers is going to have to be where they need to be every time. And even if it's a combination of both of them, 
they're going to have to be where they need to be. I just haven't seen, I haven't seen them do that against lesser competition and Holston and Perry McClure to make me think that that's what they're going to do against Riverheads, who is much more of a machine. And, you know, I guess the other thing here for Galax and a way to maybe, like you said, limit Riverheads, your defense is going to give up big plays to Riverheads. It's probably going to happen. We've seen it happen to everybody who's played Riverheads. The key is limiting those. And I think one of the things that Essex did well, unfortunately, they came away with no points, again, because of that stupid rule that Leland and I have already talked about on the pass interference. They had a drive that was 18 plays and ate up like eight minutes of clock. Unfortunately, came away with no points. If you're Galax, you'd love to have one of those drives, yeah, but ended in the end zone because that's, that's how you have to beat Riverheads. You have to keep their offense off the field. And you have to drive the entire length of the field and just eat up as much clock as you can. And like you said, I mean, hopefully when Riverheads, if Riverheads has a fumble or something, it's not in the end zone and they don't fall on it and you fall (laughs) on it. And I I guess, you know, if I'm going to spin this the most positive way possible for Galax, you have one or two of those drives that is just double digit plays and eats up an insane amount of clock to keep Riverheads offense off the field. And those drives in the end in the end zone. And like you said, I think if once you start talking about three or four scores for Riverheads, I think it's over. Like, I, I don't too. think there's a way Galax wins if yeah. they try to get in a shootout. If, if Riverheads scores 24, I don't think they win. Yeah, they're, I don't think Galax, Galax is not winning in a shootout. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, the closest thing we saw to both of them scoring a bunch, you know, when Galax won in 2015, it was a seven to six. It was a low score and a fair. Galax scored early. They were aggressive early with a, a fourth down conversion. Then they end up scoring a couple plays later. That this seven nothing the entire ball game up until the last drive. Riverheads finally finds a way to score, and then they then they're you know risking it and going for two for the win. They didn't get it. Um, we'll talk about another team that did something like that here later on the podcast. <laughs> Ravens. Um, but since then we've seen two blowouts by Riverheads. But that middle game was a tighter game. You know that was a game that was tied. It was um, a good ball game. It only finished a seven-point ball game. And so that's that kind of mid-scoring range game that I think I think legitimately is Galax's best hope. Because I really don't think they can limit Riverheads to two scores or something like that. I think, I think Riverheads is going to score. I think they're going to score 40. But, okay, if you keep them in the 20s or 30s, can you find a win in that? And for Galax to do that, I think they got to be patient. We saw them not do that. It was Mark Dixon as head coach. It wasn't their current Shane Allen. But – you know, they had the wind against them, and they threw it up into the wind, and Riverheads just easily catches an interception on that. You, you can't have that moment. And I'm not saying the wind is going to impact this football game, or but whatever it is, whatever that situation is where Galax isn't patient, they got to avoid that. they got to punt it away or, I don't know, at some point you got to be aggressive, but you can't, you just, you can't be overly aggressive. you got to be patient and wait for the right opportunity to take a chance, not force an opportunity like they did in that state championship, and which – I think Riverheads wins that game either way, but that turned momentum. And then Riverheads ends up, you know, getting a 60, uh, 60 yard Burton as a sophomore touchdown run right up the middle in that game. You know, it all, it all leads to that. And that was that equation. I think that's the kind of game that if Galax has a chance to win, that's probably what we're looking at. And I still don't like their chances in that kind of game. I, I, if, if, if Riverheads at halftime has 10 or less then I'm, then I'm worried. But if Riverheads has 20, I'm not, I'm not gonna be worried at halftime. They might have 20 at the end of the first quarter. But yeah, we've seen that a lot too. I mean, I, I mean I'm trying to come up with ways. I'm trying to just argue with you. <laughs> but yeah, I don't but I'm gonna I don't be have right. evidence so, to pull from. 
I don't have evidence to pull from. I don't, you know, I'm trying to make this world where Riverheads only scores two times. You know, they play draft, really familiar with Riverheads. They're only giving up 14.8 a game. Riverhead scores 35. Buffalo Gap, yeah, they know Riverheads a little bit. They play every year and twice this year. They're only giving up 17 points a game. Riverhead scores 37. Essex, they play Riverheads. They've ended, had their season end from Riverheads the last five years now. They were only giving up 14.9 points a game. Riverhead scores 56. So what's Galax going to do? Like, they're only giving up 17 points a game. They've got to keep it within that. And if they give up more than that, I don't, I just don't see how that's part of the equation. I agree with you. And so now I'm going to take it to the part that I, you hate talking about. But yeah. right now, the streak, they have one of the longest active streaks in the country. They're, I think I they're know. tied for the longest active streak in the country, and they will be number one if they win, right? They will be number one if they win because the team they are tied with is done for the season. Yeah. They, they, they're actively winning, but they're sitting still at 49. They won their state championship like last Thursday, and they're sitting there. So – if Riverheads wins this game, they will own the longest active winning streak in the nation, and they'll own that the whole offseason, which I know anybody that has, has worn the Riverheads uniform, been in that locker room with Coach Gasto, we don't like talking about it that much because it, it's, it's just not how we're coached. I mean, I'm still impacted on the message from Coach Gasto that I know I would hear if I was sitting there and what those guys are hearing, that it doesn't matter. And all these, you know, I, you know these players, has, they don't, they don't own everything. You know, there's been a lot of seniors ahead of them that have been a big part of this winning streak. So it's not, you know, Caden Cook Cash's record. I mean, he's only a sophomore. He's only been there for last year and this year. And I mean, some of the seniors, yeah, they've been there the whole time. And, and Noah Smiley's one of them. But, you know, it, it's just not something to focus on. I have from kind of the beginning of the streak being talked about since about, you know, win 30. I'm more focused on that 52, that state record that is planted. I, I know what we're talking about. It's VHSL. You know, I, I know who Phoebus is. That's the record I'm focused on. I think I will, if I'm, if we're having the opportunity to still be talking about this at win 53, I think that's when I'll start to enjoy if it's the, you know, it would be the longest win streak at that time and all that, because, you know, being at the top of the record book for win streaks is an impressive feat. And just like they are for consecutive state championships, I'm really, I'm real proud of that one. And I'm hoping they're adding to it. I mean, I think, but, the I think having record, the nation's longest win streak is impressive. Right I mean, I, you don't like talking about it, which is mind-boggling to me. I mean, only one team in the country will have won 50 straight games if Riverheads Currently. does it on Saturday. Currently? Yes, I'm saying one team actively in the country has yeah. won 50 straight games if Riverheads does it on Saturday. That's but kind of impressive. What is that in? Like, where does that get written down? Like, and that's why I care more about the Virginia side. I get the VHSL record book Jeez. online at oh VHSL, and that's that's the one I, I more. Well, take. they don't get there if they don't have the nation's longest active winning, winning streak. Then, know, what a dumb, it. what a dumb argument. It. Just, just admit it. It's wrong. You're wrong. Having the nation's longest active winning streak is super impressive. That's I why people impressive. like to talk about it. It's impressive. It's good. Goodness, I can't believe we're arguing about it. Trying to I'm say not it's not impressive. not impressive. I just think what I, I just I'm not in the frame of mind to sit there and boast about it yet. I, I don't. If know. I can brag about something at the state level or I can brag about it at the national level, I'll take the one at the national level. That means more. It's an enti- it encompasses all of high school football, all of it. Well, okay. So unless Riverheads though gets to 150, whatever the national. Yeah, that would be the record. Is, but it is written everywhere. It's not written down anywhere. That's you're why saying these kids the don't own record. all of that. They own this. They own being on the team that has the longest active win streak in the country. 
Yeah, it's great. It's great. I, I'm not going to say it's not great. I just, I'm not, I'm not here to boast about it. They would win what? 14 of those 50? They'd be a part of 14 of those 50? This, this year's team. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Very impressive. I think an undefeated season is impressive. Riverheads has only done that so many times. They, you know, we talk about how great Riverheads is. We talk about these longest win streaks. But, you know, only in five seasons have they gone undefeated all the way through. Oh, this would be the fifth, I think. Uh, I wrote this note down. You know, that I think that's really impress- impressive. To go a full season undefeated is very impressive. And now, they're, you know, they're hoping to put three of those together back-to-back, and that, that's what adds up to a long streak. But, I mean, that's so tough. I mean, it, it just doesn't happen all the time. I mean, I know, I guess there's other teams that can go undefeated this year, but I, I just, I, how hard that is in one season to go undefeated, keep 17 year olds attention to the details enough to do that, you know, all season. I, I think that should be, you know, very equally commended because that, that is a whole package from everybody involved. And, and I think that the, the national streak or the whole win streak, you really push that towards the coaching staff. And I know how, how quick coach Casto is to deflect any kind of that praise. And he says the players play on the field and all that, but I mean, that's, that's what that record would be saying. And, and, and 50 in a row, if it stops at 49, that's what that says is that coaching staff is so good with these kids and they have them in, you know, their mindset, um, just everything that adds up to it working the way it does. And, and so I, I, it is a credit to the coaching staff, but, I don't know. I'm talking around. I'm, I'm splitting hairs between positive things here. It's all impressive. It's all great. I'm just, uh, I just want that state record. I guess that's my thing from the beginning of this. I just have only thought about the state record. And so I just feel like that's the, that's the mark. Yeah. And I'm not saying like that, that's not important. I guess to me, like, you're just like that's the one that lives. That's the one that'll live on. Not this this current one, because I just don't see Riverheads getting to 150. If they do, then I'll say I'm wrong in 10 years. You well, know. the 2021 team, if they <laughs> win on Saturday, will be able to say we had the longest win streak in the country at that time. Yeah. And they'll be able to say it for at least the first few games in 2022. Yeah. Again, we'll see what Lord Botetod has next year. Didn't beat them this year. See what they have next year. That's the one team on the schedule that I would be worried about if I was Riverheads. Outside of that, a whole lot of nothing on there for me to worry about. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm not going to argue that either. I want to see what Stuart Strath has before I start saying something like that. And I'll say it. They didn't win a region championship this year, and they're, they're, losing, they're losing their entire offense. I'll say it. Stuart Strath <laughs> is not beating Riverheads. So let's stop that talk right now. And I know that's going to make Stuart Strath's fans mad, but that's fine. I'm not a Stuart Strath fan not my job to make them feel good they don't have a shot against riverheads (laughs) unless aaron nice somehow finds another year of eligibility they don't have a prayer against riverheads i did i it was today today doing notes before i looked i really looked the roster for riverheads and i was like looking at who's comes back and uh yeah they lose lightner they lose Cole Burton. Both great players have done a lot of great things for them. They lose some guys in the line. Josh Watson, uh, the Bowles kid. Noah Smiley, another tough one. Uh, Isaac Hartless, Aiden Miller, and Cooper Robson. All players that have done a lot to impact what this team does. I know there's been some other years where I've looked at the list and been a lot more, had a lot more questions. When I see Caden Cook Cash coming back, I see Luke Bryant coming back. I see Bennett Dunlap coming back. I see Cody Cash coming back. I see Logan Hostetler, only a sophomore, coming back. I just, 
man, it's just they have a lot of of good coming back and knowing that their lines are not senior built, that they are they have a lot of plenty coming back on both lines. It's just they're going to have a lot back next year. And, you know, last year, last two years, sitting at, after the state championship game, you have predicted Riverhead's going undefeated next year and they win the state championship. There's no reason for you not to do it this year. And again, like even, even if they lose this game, even if somehow they lose this game, you would still look at Riverhead as the favorite next year just with what's coming back. Yes, I would. And and again, I know Stuart Treff, people are probably saying, well, we can reload too. You know, we've done it before. Y'all didn't think our defense was going to be this good before. Aaron Nice has been that constant. Yes, Aaron Nice has been that constant. And he's not coming back. And yes, the next running back very well could be a very good football player. I'm sure Coach Floyd is going to have them coached up and ready to play. But I don't think Coach Floyd's got somebody at the level of Aaron Nice coming through that door next year. And so for me, I'm seeing a team that wasn't good enough to beat Central in a region championship this year. How the heck are they going to touch Riverheads? Because I think Central would be begging for mercy at halftime. I think they get on the bus and drive back to Woodstock at halftime if they have to play Riverheads in a region championship. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about these teams that know how to play Riverheads the best. I just ran through what their defenses do, and Riverheads gets 20 better on each one of them. Than and what again, I, I say we'll see what Lord Potatot has because that's a team that went to a region championship in Class 3. That yeah. is a tough opponent. That is an opponent that can threaten Riverheads maybe. And they had plenty of talent on the field this year when Riverheads yes. beat them. Yes, they did, but they weren't deep enough this year to beat them. Riverheads won a shootout in the first half, and then they were the only team that still had bullets left in the second half. And I'm sorry, Stewart Draft isn't deep enough at, at like a Class 3 school to beat a Riverheads. So, so we're done here. Buffalo Gap, no. Waynesboro, love them, no. Wilson, no. Stanton, the no. Fort Defiance, no. Okay. Let's get to the non-conference or non-district. It's it's Lord Potatot, Perry McClure, no chance. Play the Vince McMahon music. No chance in hell. Like they they've got no chance. Riverheads had Stewart Draft twice last year. I I do wonder if those teams are looking to not play each other twice and try to find someone else to fill that. It it, you know that could provide a a, an interesting matchup. It could. I tell you what, the only way Stewart's draft has a chance of beating Riverheads is if Stewart's draft is able to combine their two scores when they play Riverheads, and Riverheads has to take the best of theirs. Just the best of one score for Riverheads. Stewart's draft can add their points from two games, and it's they'll still probably lose. But they that, still didn't have it this year. So. Yeah, maybe they have a chance. <laughs> it was a 28-23 ball game by the by what you were saying. Yeah, so <laughs> maybe that's the way they could maybe beat them. They maybe that gives them a chance, but otherwise, no. That was the bet. My last final in college was was that you could take your first midterm, you could take the you could take the final and average them together, or you could take the final match. I walked out with my A minus with the uh, <laughs> counting the midterm twice and finished college in a moment. Um, all right, so that, I think we said enough on that game. Um, the only thing I really skipped over as I looked down Galax's roster. All these receivers for them are back next year. So whatever happens this week, I think they'll be strong again next year. Essex brings back all their receivers and running back too, not the quarterback though. So they'll, they'll have to have an answer there. So I'm just, you, you're talking about teams that could have a chance against Riverheads next year. That's that's what blew through my brain. Yeah, Essex had a real shot there. in this one for about two minutes. Yeah. Then the it, ball got ripped out of their running back's hands and then they didn't have a chance. I'm glad you, I mean, like I, I keep saying it and I mean, you're not disagreeing, but like, 
that was a much better team. Uh, you know, that, that kind of team, Essex, watching them play, and I know we just have the taste in our mouth of what Buffalo Gap did with their offense depleted with Bryce Hildebrand on the sideline and Ashby not even playing, um, or the receiver. I, I think I always call him Ashby. Is Ashby the right name? No. Um, whatever the receiver kid's name is out there. Tinsley. That's all kid. Say it again. Tinsley. 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 I don't know why I keep calling him Ashby. There's been a bunch of Ashbys out there. I, you know, so that's what's most recent in my mind about Buffalo Gap. But I was kind of going into that game saying, you know, I think Buffalo Gap could win state championship if it wasn't for Riverheads. You know, a team like Essex right there and, and the athletes that they had. Essex and the way would have beaten Buffalo Gap. Battled. Yeah, I, I actually have come off that prediction. I do think Essex is better than Buffalo Gap, even, even with how good Gap was playing mm-hmm. down the stretch. I do think Essex probably would have got them. Yeah. All right, go to class two, and let's talk about Graham and Keane William play each other because Graham beat Appomattox, different than Joe predicted, and Keane William beat Central Woodstock. Yeah, Graham played really well. They were behind early, came back, got the lead, and then never let it go back to Appomattox, which credit to Graham. Um, They are a good football team, and – They were able to beat Appomattox, and they'll play King William, a team that I think Graham will beat. Uh, It has the potential to be a very good game. If it's going to be a blowout, I would say Graham is the one doing the blowing out. I wasn't sure where you are going to go with that, and I agree with you. I think think Graham is favored here, but I think it's going to be a good game. I think Mm -hmm. it's going to be tight. I agree. And that's the nooner, so any Riverheads fans going down for the ball game, get there early. Get two for the price of one. Get some concessions in between. But um, it should be – I think that I think that has a really good potential of being a really good football game. I agree. First time first time those teams have met, uh, and so there will be a new champion there since Appomattox was the state champion last year in Class 2. They won five of six in that stretch, and not saying they can't come back next year and win another, but that, that was what they uh, leave on the table there with now they're sitting at home. So – Looking at class three, that'll be a 430 game while we are calling the Riverheads game. LCA battling Phoebus. Uh, that is on LCA's home field down there at Liberty. Uh, Liberty beat uh, Abingdon 56 to 13 to get to here. And Phoebus beat Brentsville District 43-0. Um, and Phoebus is one of those, you know, storied teams. That's the team that owns that 52-game winning streak. So no, you know, stranger to this point in the season. Uh, they've won seven state championships all since 2001. So, I mean, they've been good kind of in that similar time that Riverheads has been good. Here's LCA. They've just, you know, got to be a VHSL member back in 2015. Uh, this is their first appearance appearance in the state final. Uh, they had lost a state semi once before. Um, you know, I think this is built to be a really good ball game as well, but I'm leaning towards the experience in this one. I, I'm leaning towards, you know, Phoebus with these players that have played at this level before and, uh, you know, Jeremy Blunt has been there since 2012, and he, he knows what it takes. And uh, that's that's where I'm looking. Yeah, um, I, I don't think you're wrong. And, and I think <sighs> LCA is super good, but I, I don't like picking against those 7-5-17s. I just think of LCA, they've been good these last couple of years. I mean, last year they lost the semi and they were really good then too. I, it just makes me think like if they were going to do it, I think they would have done it by now. I, I, I think they, <laughs> I, don't, like, I don't know about that, but I, I mean, I just think like they're still learning that 
that process um, of winning at the VHSL level and these teams that they're coming up against, like like a Phoebus. Um, you know, they I think they had to get past that the private school championships they were winning. They were great there. I don't, I don't even have the numbers and all that, but they won plenty down there. I just feel like they they surprised me in losing previously. So I'm just not gonna allow myself to be surprised here. I'm gonna I'm gonna wait to see it just from what I've seen in the past. Uh, you know, I've 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 kind of been let down on what they've done in the past. So. Um, if it was a different team than Phoebus, maybe you talk me into it. Maybe if it was Princeville district, yeah, I would have LCA, but with it being Phoebus, that kind of program, I just, that's, that's kind of where I lie. Maybe I phrased it a little harshly, but that, that's what I want to see it before I believe it. Maybe, maybe the advantage is LCA is playing on a field they're familiar with. It's their field. So I don't yeah. know. Phoebus has played there quite a bit. So I would imagine, and they've played on turf. So I, I don't know how much of an advantage it is, but. Yeah, maybe. All right, class four. That's another nooner. Broad run versus Verina. This is another one that'll have a new state champion, just like class two and class three. Uh, here's class four. Salem won it last year. They just got knocked out by Broad Run, a 28-24 thriller there. And they're playing Verina, who knocked off Keens Fork, 35-28. Both these teams with good semifinal matchups, real close games. And uh, here they are facing each other. Um, and both of them are in the state final for the third time. Yes, and Broad Run actually, to beat Salem, converted a fourth and long uh, yeah. to win the game. Uh, it was in the dying seconds of that game. They had a fourth and long. They converted, got the touchdown on that play, ends up beating Salem. Uh, I think Broad Run does win this championship. I think that matchup between Broad Run and Salem was a de facto championship in my mind. I think either one of those teams I would have picked uh, and it just so happens that Broad Run found a way to beat Salem this year. Yeah, I don't disagree. Uh, it's the first time they've faced each other. I, yeah, I, I think, yeah, I got that feeling about Broad Run, and I think that, that finish last week probably propels them a little bit too. They're riding high, and I, I think they continue on. Class 5, Stonebridge and Maury. Uh, Stonebridge is the defending Class five state champion Maury just won it a couple of years ago in 2019. So both teams familiar with the spot. They actually played each other back in 2019 when Maury won it. Maury beat the Stonebridge team 28, 21 in that game, but Stonebridge, I mean, they've only been in existence, I think since like 2000 and they've won, they've been to the state final 10 times. So no mystery here for what they're getting into. Um, this group of kids have probably been in the final a couple of times with them being in it uh, as runner ups in 18 and 19 and then winning it last year. So a lot of familiarity with playing at this level. Maury, you know, they 2019 was the only time they've been in that state final and even in the state playoffs role recently, I think. Um, so I'm leaning Stonebridge here just because of all the numbers. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, I think Stonebridge does win this game. And Stonebridge is a team that is used to winning state championships. They're used to deep runs. Uh, like you said, it's not a fair, it's not a really old school. Uh, and actually the, the thing is, when it was built, it it pulls away from Broad Run. So both wow, of those schools are in Ashburn. Yeah. Um, and they call that the Battle of the Burn when those two teams play. I mean, this just is imagine. like Spotswood and East Rocks basketball teams both making it deep. <laughs> right. Just, uh, yeah. And that, that was going to be my next point. Like, just imagine if those two schools didn't pull from each other and they were playing. Uh, Oscar Smith. <laughs> yeah, and, and they were together, yeah, as a classic school playing. You're, you're right, it would be an Oscar Smith. I would love that for yeah. a broad run. <laughs> the, the, you know, the stone run, you know, 
spar dogs or whatever you want to call them. Uh, <laughs> I think they would. Yeah, I mean that would be an amazing talent there. But the fact that they're both in state championships and making deep runs in postseasons all the time in football just kind of speaks to the credit up in that area. Yeah, I mean Mickey Thompson's been the coach there the whole twenty-one years that schools existed, and all they've done is win. I mean, just. I mean, initially they were getting in the playoffs pretty quickly, and then it was deep runs. Uh, I mean, they were champs in 07. I mean, all their winning and runner-ups have been since 07 even. So it's just a lot of success there. Um, All right, going to class six, Oscar Smith, James Madison. Oscar Smith beat Battlefield 49-10. to They are the defending champion there in class six. They're taking on James Madison, who beat South County 28-6. to This is going to be a really good game. Take them, man. Take them. Just so we're different on one game. My brain says Oscar Smith, but just so we're different on one game, I'll take the James Madison Warhawks. No matter what you said, I was going to take the opposite because I'm, I'm, I'm toss up here. I'm toss up here. I think James Madison's very good. I'm listening to Hatfield, so I think they're very good. Yeah. And uh, so I'm not going to doubt that. But then Oscar Smith's another one of those. I mean, nine state final appearances, three-time champion. They won it last year. You know, we're always talking about Oscar Smith. I mean, this is one of those logos. When I go make dark notes for our page and I have logos and helmets, I don't have to go looking for Oscar Smith. It's right there. It's overused. So I'll take Oscar Smith just so we're different on one. And, um, yeah, I, that'll be fun one to watch. That one will happen at noon, so we'll have the final of that, and we'll be ribbing each other on air, I'm sure, about that before the game. Um, yeah, getting down to class five and six – I don't know who Chip will pick. He'll probably take Verona, though, over Broad Run. So uh, get ready for that. Good. <laughs> That's right, because he has a roommate that. He had all of it. I mean, I, I want a documentary. I want a 30 for 30 on Chip Crable's dorm situation in college because everybody is a head coach at a football. I mean, and Chip has history of being a football, uh, head yeah, football coach. The Crable he was tree. at Fishburn. And, I mean, just the coaching that came out of that room. I, I want to. Yeah, the coaching. Yeah, the. the uh... Let's see, the Concord tree, because that's where he went, right? Yeah, Concord. There, there was no Sega Genesis in there. It was just game film. I mean, they're just in there studying up. That's, yeah. <laughs> so um, that is the high school football. I'm going to repeat those jokes on uh, Saturday, just so everybody right. knows. Um, that is the high school football action. That's ahead of us. Um, a lot on the line for everybody. Everybody wants to win a state championship, but a lot of numbers, you know, big numbers. Like you said, the streaks for Riverhead sitting there. So make sure you're listening on Saturday. We'll be live on ESPN 1240 The Boss, 12:40 a.m. If you're local here in Stanton, or always can find us online, ESPN 1240TheBoss.com, or on the TuneIn app by searching WTON. Make sure you're listening because um, win or lose, there's a lot to wrap up with Riverheads after the game. Obviously, we think Riverheads are going to win. Galax thinks they're going to win. So come shock the world, I guess. But either way, there's a lot going to be a lot to talk about during and after that game. So make sure you're tuned into us. And we'll be back next week. Uh, not that we're into the podcast right now, but we, next Monday we're going to talk about state championship game. That's that's <laughs> what the discussion's going to be. So uh, a lot to be talking about how Riverheads has the longest active win streak in the country. Yeah, and that'll and be that's going to hate it, and I'll keep talking nice. about it. It'll be good. It'll be I, I don't know. I, I'm not disagreeing that it's impressive. Like I I don't know how you took that away. I just. I'm just not boasting it. At some point, there'll be the boasting mark, but it's just I'm not there yet. I feel like 50 is a pretty good number to start boasting. 
yeah, 50 sounds nice. And, and I, I like the idea of owning that record in the offseason. So just if somebody, anybody in the nation's like, oh, who has the longest win streak? They'll see Riverheads. I like that. I like that idea. I'm not against it. I just, I, I guess I just think about how does it live on? And like, and, you know, <laughs> this isn't good. Like that active streak doesn't get remembered once it's over. Like no one's going to talk about Kettle Run a year from now because they they're off that book i i you know written in stone and that's what that state record is to me that that's why i look at it different acknowledge that point acknowledge that that like that exists for until it gets broken as soon as you lose the active streak you know somebody else is in that spot so it's just the same can be said about a state streak though i mean until it's until broken, it's broken, though, though. Like if once it ends, it's still going to live there as the most until it's broken. The active streak, you're off the list. You're gone. No, I mean, Kettle Run's gone. Off the list. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe they'll get to 150 and you can be right about everything. All right. Let's go to the next thing. I don't want to say that yet. I, I haven't seen schedules. We're not going to 150. I mean, I mean come we on. We haven't seen schedules. We won't, I won't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding 150 if they get to 150 i'll be surprised i mean that's whew. my kids might be on the team but yeah <laughs> that'd be something else you're tripling what you're doing now like and it's been crazy all right let's move on to something else uh ncaa football a lot to talk about here a lot of different topics last week we recorded a podcast it was the day before virginia tech announced they were hiring coach pry officially and uh, what is what was what was your reaction and what has it morphed into? My reaction in the moment was, OK, don't know a lot about it, Coach Pry. Let's let's do some learning. Read some stuff that was written about him by local reporters that cover tech. Uh, Barber, of course, who we have on a lot. Uh, and. Then the introductory press conference happened, and my just initial reaction was this was handled so much better than the press conference this time last year where I was ready to burn Lane Stadium down and join the people with pitchforks. But um, this – this Coach ready. Pry handled I, that I, well. You had lit your pitchfork. You were, you were more than ready. Yeah, Coach Pry handled that well. You were standing well. there with a burning pitchfork. He handled it well. He's keeping Coach Price on. Um, I think there was that's another against, member of the that's staff. That's against what you were wanting. You wanted everybody to I did. be exiled. I think there was somebody else on the staff who has also been told that they're being kept. The name is escaping me right now. But um, that's fine. I, I'll, I'll put my trust in him and hope, hope he can get it going and, and get it working. Um, the, the two guys they're keeping are guys with tech ties before Fuente. So, yes. And if, if, if anything, we've learned from this transition this time, because I think Witt handles tra- transitions well. This transition is all about the Virginia Tech of old, the 90s Virginia Tech, and, and when it was good and as it was getting good and, 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 you know, having that feeling. And, man, they did everything they could to take this guy that was a graduate assistant for a couple years and turn him into, you know, Bud Foster's son. Like, they have pressed that message nonstop that this guy is Virginia Tech to the core, 
and you, you thought he graduated from here. You thought he played starting quarterback here at some point or defensive back like Beamer did back in the day. Like, that's the way they framed this. And that's not really the truth, but he's saying all the right things. And I think the, the truth in him aligns so well with Virginia Tech. So it just makes it obvious that that's, that's how you sell this. That's how you sell this. We're, we're getting away from, you know, not that Fuente pushed away all – all things Virginia Tech. He embraced Beamer, and that was the big transition there. That was handled great. That you know, keeping Foster, embracing Beamer, being that transition from Beamer. We're going to wear the twenty-five jersey and this and that. It's just the rest of it didn't work, and and it just didn't pan out. If it would have worked, if it was good offensively and a quarterback was for like we we wouldn't be hiring a new head coach now. We'd be fine with how things are. But that was how that one was framed. It handled very well. But once it became Fuente's own thing. It got it went bad. Well, here's Pry. The transition's different, but still lacking on to what Virginia Tech is and wants to be. And he's meeting with all these different student groups throughout the campus. He's at the, both the men's and women's basketball half times, talking to everybody. He's interrupting their practice to introduce himself. Like, I like it. I like everything I've seen. But all it all it does is what I would say for anybody coming to the spot. Now it's time to go to work. And man, I love what I've seen from that. They're on a plane to 757. That's what they're putting out. They're not talking about Texas or North Carolina, even though you know they're talking to people in other areas. They're focusing in that public message of 757, and I love it. Yes, that that is important. They're doing a good job with that. He is definitely more engaged in terms of the community and the fan base than Fuente was. Um, not saying necessarily you can't do it the Fuente way where – you try to build a wall and isolate yourself, but you better be racking up some serious wins if, if that's the mentality you're going down. And, and he wasn't. And so it was hard for fans to relate to him. It was easy for fans to turn on him. Uh, and then when he started to try to engage with fans, it just half the time came off tone deaf. And, and again, like there, not that there wasn't moments where you could tell the players liked Fuente again. The preseason, we were talking about it, like jokingly, like, well, there's the team throwing him in the hot tub, you know, and they're all having a good time. And that was before the year. (laughs) And I was like, and I said, I was like, yeah, it's all funny games now. But, you know, we go on that midseason losing streak that Fuente goes on. Like, let's see if we're seeing those videos then. And we didn't. And the fan base was ready to start chopping off heads. And so that's what happens here. Coach Pry is going to get a little bit of a grace period, in my opinion. Um and I know folks are going to – the few Fuente defenders that are still out there are going to say, you know, well, you know, he better – you know, look what Fuente did in his first year. You know, the pressure's on. I'm like, he's no. not inheriting what Fuente inherited. He's not inheriting not- a program that is that is good. He's inheriting but- a program that is yikes right now. But to be fair, it wasn't like Fuente inherited 10-2 and two Virginia Tech. They, he inherited a downward swing of Virginia Tech – and he just let it, like, where it was kind of plateauing. We thought this is the worst Virginia Tech can be. I guess this is where I'm going to make people – I guess this is where I'm going to make people mad. I think the players that Fuente inherited were a lot better than the players Fuente's giving pry. I, I agree. I know that's going to make Virginia Who's Tech fans mad, mad because every time someone goes in the portal, we get upset. And when someone tweets something about, you know, not being sure, it's all, oh, you guys are great, and we're going to build everything here. And I'm like, look – uh. I think Coach Pry is going to build something. I don't know how many of these people that are here right now on the roster are going to be part of it. Everybody that's gone in the 
portal of note before this year. I've tweeted at you or texted you the moment I've seen it. I sent you one, and that was like the first one. And I was just like, well, here we go. You know, here, here's something. I, had, I don't care. These guys going to the NFL, like, I'm going to root for James Mitchell. I like that guy. I yeah. was following him when he was in high school. Uh, you know, uh, all, most of them. I'm going to root for. They're Virginia Tech guys I'm going to root for. But, like, I'm not, you know, grabbing, <laughs> hugging anybody back in. I'm not, you know, begging for them to stay. Like, this is a clean transition. And if next year we're 6-6 six and six again, I'd rather take 6-6 six and six with hope than 6-6 six and six with what we just had. Like, and, and it's going to take a minute. You know, this isn't – we're not winning the national championship next year. I just want to be on a path I believe can send us in that that motion. And and that starts with, you know, being coastal contenders a couple years in a row and where I think, you know, and, and hopefully things are lining up for us to win an ACC title, like in that kind of stretch. Then I'll start worrying past that. I, we were headed the opposite. I was worried about winning two games. I was worried about winning, you know, a, more than just against Duke. You know, that that's what I was worried about, the direction we were going. So we got to turn this thing around. And initially, I'm not expecting the world next year. I just – I guess what I said was I don't want to lose to teams that we shouldn't lose to, and I just don't want to get blown out a bunch of times. If we get, like, one blowout, I'll probably be, you know, I'm not going to like it, but okay, like, we're, we're learning. But, like, I just don't want to get blown out, and especially by some team we shouldn't get blown out by. And I want to close games. I want to play better in the second half than we play in the first half of football games. I think that's a minimal, like, if we're losing at halftime, I don't want to lose by, like, a whole lot more. You know, <laughs> it's like – Let's figure something out in the middle of a football game. I like, agree. Take the 30 seconds you wasted halftime telling everybody to put your hands in the middle. Get in the locker room and figure something out. This guy seems like business. I still want to see who he's hiring as offensive coordinator. I want to see these other positions get filled out. The couple guys that he hired I have no problem with. This Texas Tech guy is a little flashier than what I'm used to on a Virginia Tech staff, but maybe we need that. You know, Maybe that's part of the equation. Like You need to have that guy. And he's with them today, you know, at Highland Springs and then going down to 757. Like, you know, maybe that's part of the equation. Like, I'm just, I have trust. I have trust in Witt because, again, on paper, Fuente wasn't their own hire. And then every other hire Fuente's done, I haven't minded. So I'm trusting right now. But I will remind Witt, you know, his success is, you know, Pry's success is Witt's success. And if Pry fails, Witt's gone too. So, uh, maybe. It depends on what happens with basketball, and we'll get to that here in a second. But, um, eh, growing pains. I I do I do agree with the overall sentiment there. I think you know the transfer portal stuff doesn't bother me. The some of the players declaring to go to the draft, I get. Some of them, I kind of scratch oh, my head, <laughs> but I'm just like, you don't want to be here. I don't want you here. Yeah, I'm just like, well, but I mean, it's not even that. It's it's like when they say I'm going to the I'm going to the NFL draft. I'm like uh, as like a guest of one of the actual players that's going to get drafted or like, what are you talking about? Like you're going to the NFL draft. Like, I don't understand. (laughs) But I wish all of them the best of luck and hope they get drafted. But yeah, some of them I'm like, "Mm -mm." not as a player, you're not. But. Yeah, it's um, – I, I do agree. Knox Kadem going to the portal, deuces, dude. Yeah, but that's not – but, like, to be fair enough, like, he, he didn't sign up to play for Coach Pry. He didn't sign up. He knows, you know, everybody Good. else. He, he shouldn't have signed, signed up to come to now. Blacksburg. He's not that kid. The guys that irritate me in other years is the guys that, like, oh, yeah, I'm coming to Virginia Tech, and, you know, and no one else is changing, and all of a sudden they're like, oh, no, I'm out after one year. Like, that's what irritates me, and it's always – Related to like, oh, they're not playing immediately, and they went out. That that always irritates me. 
So everything was feeling, you know, nice and calm and getting back to normal. We got our head coach and here's our plan. And he's seeming like a hokey and everything's stable. And then the other half of the state just blows up because Bronco Mendenhall out of, I feel like nowhere steps down at UVA. I know David Teal said he wasn't as surprised. I would have to think the timing was surprising, but he knew at some point Mendenhall would just step away and, and surprise us all. Okay. Well, here it happens right now. It's amazing to me with the expectations of these two programs that are fairly different and, and, and were two different spots when Puente came in and when Mendenhall came in, it amazes me that both of these guys are out at the same time. And, um, you know, from everything that's been said, it was Mendenhall's decision. Right. I don't know, man. If they win, the, they lost the last four. If they win three of those last four, well, they, the they win the coastal if they win three. Yeah. Four, so, like, but... I just don't see him out. So, like, there's something more to it. And if it's personal goals not being met, and that's why I let, like, it just shocks me. It, I don't it know. I think he might. Me. I mean, I, I think there is some credence to some of the talk that I know he says the fan stuff doesn't bother him and the losing streak at the end isn't what made this decision. But I think a lot of these delusional UVA fans that think they're a 10 win team or whatever, like, I think that plays a role where he's like, these people aren't real. I don't need this in my life. Like that may be part of it. Did he not have that at BYU? There's not crazy fans at BYU. I thought every school had crazy fans. Yeah, but I guess like the BYU fans, I get why they think they're a 10 win team because sometimes they are a 10 win team. UVA (laughs) is not a 10 win team. Like, I'm sorry. If you thought, if you looked at that roster and said, this is a team that can win 10 games. The only person that you're lying to is yourself. Like no one that watches football thinks that like that defense is not good enough to win 10 games. I I was listening to the, to a radio station today where they're like, surprisingly Armstrong was only third team, all ACC quarterback. Yeah. Cause the kid at wake forest and the kid at Pitt are better. End of story. I know you're you love Armstrong. He's not a bad quarterback. He's a yeah, good quarterback. Husband, but he is shopping. not Pickett and he is not Sam Hartman. Stop. Like it's like the Michael Jordan meme. Stop it. Get some help. Like you're living in Narnia. And and so maybe that had something to do with it. I I think it did. I mean, I just I don't it, think it, UVA it fired him. I guess is my is my thing. No, I don't, I don't see why they would have. And I and you know when I I talk to a crazy UVA fan, maybe not quite to the level of the crazy you're talking, but you know a little a touch of craziness to them. And uh, I said, I mean, you know, I know you just lost Virginia Tech again, but like it wasn't a terrible season. Your offense is good. You're gonna have to figure something out. You were in the fan, game. You know, like, UVA is pretty close to Virginia Tech right now. In terms of where I think their program is, to a lineman, you probably win that game. And, yeah, because it was handed to you. I so it's just like you just can't jump off a bridge. And you know, by the end of the conversation, he was hearing what I was saying. You know, I don't know if he agreed, but he was hearing what I was saying. But then they're still looking for a new coach. So it's just shocking. I thought so. Um, every indication is is Poindexter coming in, and you know, he was the mid '90s defensive star. Uh, he's a Jefferson Forest product, which that program must have really taking a turn after he left because they must have been good while he was there. So he was great in college. And, you know, I, I, I think it's easy for UVA to see what Virginia Tech is selling over here with the culture, the culture, the culture. This is a culture hire. This is Poindexter who was here the last time UVA had any kind of strain of success. 
he, you know, played under some of their best coaches with Walsh. And I don't know, I'm not going to put Algro on that list, but he was there around that time. He's, he came back and coached immediately um, once he was done with his football uh, back at UVA some. He's been at Penn State under prize since then. Um, and now and now it looks like he's going to be the UVA. It's not official for anybody listening that's not doesn't keep up with the minute. As of Monday night, that's not official, but everything's indicating that. I, I get the hire. You know, I just wonder if this the crazy fans that you're talking about that, you know, want the world. I, I wonder if the culture hire is going to be good enough for them. It better be. Uh, and I'll say this. This is the it other is thing I'll say. I, part of me is really happy Brock Oman and Hall stepping down because I think he's in a good job there. I UVA and Virginia Tech, when these two hires were made, Fuente and Mendenhall, Virginia Tech was in my opinion, well ahead of UVA. I think now that gap has narrowed very closely. I know the games might have been close some of those years at the end with Beamer, but Virginia Tech was winning them. They had the streak. They dominated UVA. It wasn't a real rivalry. Bronco Mendenhall comes in. He's won a game. He should have won this year. So, I I don't know. Like, I... I think Bronco Mendenhall helped narrow that gap. They went to an ACC championship game with him. I don't yes. think it's debatable. Like, I, I don't understand player. the people who were like, Bronco Mendenhall is on the hot seat. I was like, no, you are crazy. If, if UVA would have fired Bronco from. Mendenhall, they would have never gotten another coach that was halfway decent. You would have only taken someone who was desperate and had no other opportunity. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I agree. You're so, not Alabama, I guess is my... I, what I'll tell those people, you're either not Alabama. School. You'll never be Alabama. So get real. Like, and tech isn't either. No. As much as we want it to be, we're not. No. And that's why we're hiring a defensive coordinator from Penn state. And we're not hiring who Florida just got, you know, I will say this. I I've seen a lot of people cause his introductory press conference was today, even though he was hired before pry. Um, and I saw a lot of people being like, oh, wow, look at him. He's so, you know, vanilla and not exciting and blah, blah, blah. Thank goodness he went to Florida and didn't come here. I'm like, okay. like what you have. Don't yeah, just I – don't, I don't get that. I think he's a good coach. So I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, well, he doesn't – he's not, you know, rah, rah, Florida Gators for life. Like, it would be weird if he said that. I don't think Billy Napier is from Florida. So it would be weird if he said that. The only thing that I take away being happy that we I, – I, he's the coach that if he would have came to us, if we would have got him, he'd have left for an SEC job soon enough. Mm-hmm. Like, if he it does a good job for us, he'd have been in an SEC. Like, that's where he wants to go. He, he'd have been at Florida State. Yeah, maybe, Florida maybe you can convince you know, Coach Pry to hang around a little longer. Yeah, I don't think this is necessarily like a slam dunk stop. This is where Pry wants to coach for the rest of his life job. But I think it's possible. It's I, I possible, think, I but I wouldn't impossible. say it's guaranteed. I bet it was impossible with Napier. So I agree with that. Yes, I agree. I like that. that. And I like that even for like JMU coach hires when when Houston was leaving, I I said, you know, no matter who they're gonna get, it's a stepping stone job, you know. And so I I I'm always drawn to like those coaches that could be there for a long time. And and you know, now I wish Signetti wasn't there, but I it's just yeah, I was I really wishing he'd get that because we had the Beamer. That's my fandom. I, you know, I, I, I went to Riverheads, who's had the same coach for 26 years. I, I went to Virginia Tech, who had Beamer. Like that's, I'm a Steelers fan. I've had two head coaches in my lifetime. Like it's, it's like I'm used to not a lot of coaching change and coaches voluntarily getting the heck out. So yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. 
Yeah, I I was really pulling for him to to get hired at UVA. Uh, so I know you were. That I, I kept feeding you that too because I was hoping for it too. That would have been the you best. Kill two birds with one stone. Yep. Um, let's look at the bowl games for these teams quickly because we'll have more time to talk about it. But Virginia Tech is going to play in the Pinstripe Bowl at Yankee uh. Stadium. Um, I hate so many things about this bowl game and what it is and where it is um, and all the discussions it surrounding it yeah. and everybody, all the Yankee fans that are Hokie fans, you know, pumping their chest. I just hate it all. We play Maryland, you know, I, Maryland's not a team that I just expect to lose to. So I'm, I'm hopeful. I guess it's fired up. Yeah. You get that old rivalry. I guess that's cool about it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't like, look, I was saying last Beamer week and Frigian there. <laughs> yeah. I was saying last week, like, Oh man, if you're UVA, you don't want a cold weather bowl. They got one too, but I'm not going to now pretend like, I'm excited that Virginia Tech has a cold weather bowl. I still think those suck. And so my, my plan, because UVA is playing in that Fenway bowl, it's 11 a.m. on that same day that Virginia oh. starts at two. It's just, you know, wake up and uh, enjoy Christmas vacation that week and uh, hate watch one and then love watch the other. And that, that'll be my day. I'll be at work, so I'll probably miss both. Um, <laughs> I just, yeah, it's at Yankee Stadium. It's against Maryland. I hope Virginia Tech wins, but I got to be honest. I don't. I have no confidence. I don't care. Okay. I mean, I want st- to. I, I am not going to get upset if Virginia Tech doesn't win that game, I guess. It's I'm not going to get upset, but I, I'd, I'd like to look good. I like it for JC. I'd, I'd like I like him to be two and one instead of one and two. I, you know, like, you know. Yeah, I, um, I, I, I don't mind JC Price at all. I. I love what he said after the UVA game. I loved that message because, and obviously Virginia Tech did too, because they they they've framed their entire next head coach hiring around that feeling, around the home and Virginia Tech in 1995, Blacksburg. Like that's that's what they're pumping in. So I, I just want that to have a positive note there. That's that's how I feel. I'm never rooting for us to lose, even when Fuente jobs for Fuente. Like I still want us to win. Just, all right, she said when we were talking to Barber. What? It's not what you said when we were talking to Barber. But for being honest, that's not exactly how you felt. I still want us to win. I I hate losing. I hate losing more than I. UVA plays SMU. We should say in the Fenway Bowl. I do think UVA will win that game just because I don't think SMU is very good. They could probably just outscore them. SMU's not going to have a great defense. Yeah. Yeah. All right, other, not other, football that matters happened on Saturday, too. That's That was the big thing about this weekend. If you played, you matter. And uh, that had Utah smashing Oregon, getting Oregon out of the way. Oklahoma State coming up short against Baylor. Uh, we had Alabama reminding us who they are and beating Georgia. We had Cincinnati taking care of business and beating Houston. We had Michigan not letting down one bit and beating the crap out of Iowa. And we had Pittsburgh. Uh, beaten Wake Forest. The highlight of the day, though, obviously, is Alabama. You know, you're you're writing them off a week ago. You want them out of there. They I don't did. deserve to even be considered. Well, now here they do. They beat Georgia, and they're the one seed. It's just, oh, my goodness. It's just I, my biggest issue, because now we have Alabama 1 playing Cincinnati 4. We'll get back to that. Michigan playing Georgia in these state semi in these uh, uh, in these national semifinals is 
people trying to talk Georgia out of there, including you in text messaging Saturday night. Yeah. No one had any problem with Georgia before that game. No one had any Until we found out that, you know what? They hadn't really played it. When you went back and looked, you're like, wow, they actually didn't play a lot of good offenses. This is the first offense they've played, and they got killed. They had the best loss of anybody. So they deserve to still be in it. Well, technically, Notre Dame, until that weekend, had the best loss of anyone. And, okay. I, I, but then we jumped Alabama because they beat Georgia. Once everything was done, <laughs> Georgia yeah. lost to the number one team. Or I'm team. just saying, I wouldn't be shocked if Georgia, I, I wouldn't be shocked if Georgia loses again. I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 I think it, yeah, I mean, Michigan's. Michigan's. Michigan's really good, so I, I wouldn't be shocked. Their defense is really good. They're going to terrorize that quarterback, and he did not look good against Alabama. But that's another team. Two weeks ago, everybody had a problem with Michigan. <laughs> like, you know, like, this is the team where it's supposed to be the number two I team I do now. think this is wide two open. And ago, yes, like, oh, those gets smashed by Ohio State. Like, maybe, maybe Alabama blows Cincinnati out. Maybe. I don't think they will, but maybe they do. I hope they don't. I hope they don't either. But I, I hate the narrative of, like, well, great. Now we've got Cincinnati, and so they can get killed by Alabama. Well, that, yeah, because every other semifinal I've watched Alabama play in was so close. They smashed everybody they played, yeah. Who did they – and that's my question. Like, who did they want in? Did they want Notre Dame in so they can get killed by Alabama? Did they want Oklahoma State to still get in so they could get killed by Alabama or Baylor so they could get killed by Alabama? Like, there's just that no was, other alternative here. That, I mean, the four was set. The four was set. As soon as Oklahoma State got out of the way, it was set. And Which, thank goodness worry. they lost because I do think Oklahoma State would have hopped Cincinnati. I, I – I, it would have left that door wide open. I don't I, put it past the committee to do it. I'm glad that they didn't so, have the opportunity. What did they do? What did the committee do? Who did they put in this year? They put in a G5 team for the first time ever. Oh, because I and, said it would never I happen. I think a year ago at this week, you said that will never happen. You are crazy, Leland. You are dumb. If you think <laughs> any G5 team over here, you are just you should live in a box underneath a bridge. If I didn't say that. I, know, I didn't give you the MLB the umpire that's treatment. That's the heat you brought at me a year ago that that would absolutely never happen. And I was stupid to even talk about the door being open. For something I never like thought that. I'd see the and day. here we are 12 months later because I believed it could happen. I believed in it that it did happen. I just never thought I'd see the day. Yeah, I was wrong. I never thought I'd see the day. There we go. Joe was wrong. The committee didn't believe in themselves. You don't hear because the only the only reason (laughs) you can't say I wasn't wrong. They just didn't believe. What the committee didn't believe? Yeah, the committee didn't believe in themselves. (laughs) They didn't believe that they could put Baylor in. Cowards. They didn't believe that they could say Notre Dame's only loss was to a team that was number five in the country. So I, I, you said you're wrong. I'll take it. Yeah. Because. Of all the times we've argued hard on this podcast, a lot of times, as soon as we get done recording, we're laughing. After that one, I was like, all right, I'm getting off by. I was done. <laughs> yeah, those those college football playoff ones last year, we did get heated. And I was mad. And, and I was, because I thought Cincinnati so deserved to be in there last something. year. I thought they got screwed last year. You were I'm, so dismissive of something that was possible and has now been proven to be possible. Now, it took... Everything to go their way. It took a three-loss Pac-12 championship. It took a you know a, a three-loss Big 12 champion. It took or a two you know two-loss Big 12 mul- champion. Multiple loss conference champions and multiple. Different it took the team right behind them. It took them beating the team that's right behind them in the rankings too. Yes, and everything had to line up perfectly. It just had to line up that Notre Dame actually went on and won the rest of their football games, even though their coach had no faith in them and he skips town. 
they still do it. Um, you know, it's just I, it, everything had to align. I'm not, I'm not going to skate past the point that everything had to line up perfectly. I'm not going to skate past the point that if Oklahoma State would have won, that they were probably in trouble. But I do think if Oklahoma State had won, I think, yeah, if Oklahoma State had won, I'm taking a victory lap on that argument while being mad that I'm right. But they didn't. Cincinnati no is in. Hmm? No victory lap for Joe. Yeah. Which good. I'm glad you're right. I'm glad that we live in a world where Cincinnati can make a 14 playoff. And if Cincinnati I'll be even happier in this ball game, it'll never happen again. <laughs> yeah, I'll be even happier when they expand the playoffs so we can have a G5 team in it every year and we can see that the G5 isn't just automatically inferior to everybody what in the G5. What other G5's teams are you really anxious to see in some kind of playoff this year? This year? None. See, that's my problem. And that's my problem with your your art, like I, I want, I want expanded playoff. I'm not against a, a, a somewhat expanded playoff. Well, when you were talking 16 teams and making sure every conference champion's in there, that's where I don't like. Yes, it. in a perfect like world, this, there's so many teams that we don't want to see. I want a pathway for mm-hmm. uh, Cincinnati to be in there. The best one should be in there. Fine. I just don't need to see the whole darn list. I think, I think in a perfect world, every conference champion is in. I'm saying the way it's they're talking about in a 12 team playoff i'm saying i wouldn't i wouldn't necessarily say yeah that team should be in instead so um i don't disagree there i will say i i I still believe that every conference champion should be in if you want to have a truly representative playoff and that way you can determine hey this conference isn't that good truly representative one i guess that's just where i'm at (laughs) Yeah, you hate March Madness. You hate March Madness. You hate what that represents, and that's fine. We we have learned that in this podcast. You hate what March Madness represents. I don't even know why you take days off to watch it because you hate it so much. It's different. I I am looking forward to expanded playoff, but I'm glad they got in this year, and I hope they can make noise. I you know I I have a. Let me just say, if they beat Alabama, oh oh, oh, folks, if you're not subscribed now. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button because you're either going to love me or you are going to hate me. If Cincinnati beats Alabama, I will be celebrating so hard. I might even buy Cincinnati gear if they do it. Might even buy a Cincinnati bumper sticker. Yep. Might even buy a jersey. Learn who he is, buy his jersey. Yeah, I mean, oh, man. Biggest fan of Cincinnati if they do it. All right. The only other college football thing to touch on, JMU, they did beat SLU 59-20. to 20. That sets up that big Montana-JMU game Friday night at JMU in the FCS playoffs. It's JMU's final run through that. Uh, it, I think I like this game uh, to talk about because when they played last time, it was a heck of a ball game at JMU. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I bet you were there. I was there too. I was looking right down that goal line where the where the fun stuff happened. We were close like, oh. then. We probably were. I was probably, you know, this guy won't. You know, this guy's so negative on JMU. I don't get it. No, I was actually really <laughs> rooting for JMU. That was before. That was bef- that was when I was part of the cult, and then I got to see it more, and I was like, mm, these people are a little weird. Yeah, we were looking right down the goal line on the on the side that remains still. And uh, that was a fun game. So uh, that it'll bring back a lot of memories for people. Montana is very capable of going in there and beating JMU, but that's, that's the point in these playoffs that can happen. But JMU very capable of winning as well. So if they do win it, 
you would think North Dakota State will be sitting there waiting on them and they would be hosting. So uh, that's what JMU's playing for this weekend. Yeah. All right, basketball. We had, I'm not going to say an up and down week for Virginia Tech. We had a slight up with a really solid down right after that. Um, We beat Maryland in the Big Ten Challenge. I liked that win. It was a hard-fought win after some of those close games that we had lost the week before. I really liked that win. We, you know, beat them, and their coach resigns immediately after. I I, I like that tendency that our team seemed to have right now. But then Saturday, we absolutely lay an egg against Wake Forest, a team that's not projected to be a good ACC team. And we lose a home game to a team below us in the ACC projections and standings or however you want to look at it right now. I really didn't like that loss. I, you know, if you even lose a close one there, I still don't like it, but losing by 19, I just really, I I don't, I don't like that at all. Yeah. Wake Forest coach knew his job was on the line. um, Given the history of coaches losing (laughs) to Virginia tech teams before. So uh, that was a, you know, loser leaves town match in his mind. If he loses, he has to quit his job. So he won. Uh, but no, seriously, it is a disappointing loss. It's the kind of loss that, you know, as much grief as I give JMU fans for drinking Kool-Aid, I, I kind of had to like put it down a little bit with Virginia Tech and be like, okay, this is why we won't win the ACC. Like the games like this are why we won't win the ACC. Yeah. The offense has not been good this year at Virginia Tech. It has been very poor. They have relied on fantastic defense. One of the best defenses in the country, but that's how they've won most of their games. So they're going to have to start making some of these outside shots or get the offense more involved if they want to be a legitimate ACC contender. Aluma seems tentative to just take games over, and that that surprises me. I, I think he needs to be a little more, just a touch more ball hog. Just, you know, take take a couple more yourself. I, I think he's a good scorer. He could finish. I, I think he needs to do that. Um we got to be better at point guard. I, I don't miss BD, but I'm not loving what we have going right now. I'll give them opportunity to keep, keep going and get better, but it's, you know, we have a mid-major, low-major point guard right now, and I'd like, I'd like him to play better. I'd like his game to, to rise to the occasion here. Yes. A UVA stole a game on Friday night against Pitt, a game UVA absolutely should have lost. And uh, they found a way to win, and that's what well-coached basketball teams do. Uh, they, they put themselves in that spot where if another team wants to hand it to them, they can win. Uh, I guess that's what their football coach didn't do, and that's part of the reason he stepped away. Um, JMU, we're recording Monday night. J- JMU and UVA play Tuesday night, so we don't have the results on that. Um, I know JMU's really, 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 really hoping for an upset of UVA. I just think they, they, it's, it's the Colts that they're not, they're not, I haven't used that phrase very much, but they're just not paying attention to what I know UVA is not as up as usual, but they're better than JMU. Yeah. I saw coach Byington's comments today about, you know, cause it's a sellout. It's the first sellout in that building. They're really excited about it. And, you know, he was like, you know, I know there's going to be some orange in there too. And you might hear some cheers. If UVA scores, you will hear cheers. If UVA scores, I think it'll be 60, 40 UVA. If it's a well-attended JMU game for JMU. Um, I I think most of those fans are going to be UVA fans. I, I really do. When they, when they played them at the convocation center, yes, that JMU team wasn't nearly as good as this JMU team, but that was a heavily, heavily, favored UVA crowd. I was there that night 
and just to see, hey, maybe we get lucky. And I think, you know, we made a three to start the game and then <laughs> then UVA scored like the next 10 points or something. So I, I do think this game is not going to go well. It's going to be a little bit of dose of reality. The net rankings came out for the first time today, and that was a little bit of dose of reality for all the at-large people talking I mean, out large is out. I mean, I'm not talking about at-large for JMU anymore. I'm just I'm saying not, for a even... certain reporter who likes to talk about it, I think that was kind of a wake-up call like, oh, maybe I should stop talking about it because it's not actually possible. I didn't need that to not want to waste my time with that. What? Uh, who's Tech got this week here? Cornell and Dayton. Uh, it's pronounced Colonel. It's the highest rank of the military. Well, if they Dayton, play like though. they did against Wake Forest, it doesn't matter how you say it, they're going to lose. <laughs> they should beat Cor- Cornell. Uh, Dayton, though, that's a tough game. Real tough game. Sunday at 2 p.m. Yes. So, uh, you know, there's goods and bads with that. You know, hopefully you can straighten things out against Cornell, but Dayton's another test, and you can prove you can prove the opposite of what we just saw if you're Virginia Tech. I mean, it's an opportunity to, to look at that that way. Um, all right. Uh, Bama had uh, Bama's day continued Saturday night because their basketball team beat Gonzaga, number one Gonzaga that night. So Big day Alabama beating favorite Bulldogs. And then, well, how about your VCU women? How are they doing? They're great. They're 55 in that net ranking that came out. Um, they notched their second Power 5 win of the season, beating Boston College. Uh, they also beat East Carolina last week uh, in a game that was close until the fourth quarter. Then VCU blew East Carolina out. Boston College, they were up big at the media timeout in the fourth quarter with five minutes to go. They were up 15 points on Boston College. And then Boston College went on a run. It got very, very tight. In fact, I think it got down to a three-point game at one point, if I'm remembering correctly. But VCU made their free throws. And that was the difference in the game there. VCU played fantastic defense for the first three and a half quarters, which really helped the win there against Boston College. VCU has one of the best defenses in the country. Uh, in fact, going into that game, they were 17th in the country. I haven't looked since in scoring defense, but they that's where they were going into that game Sunday. I imagine it would go up. Uh, they just played fantastic basketball. They have. That's one of the reasons they're doing so well. They go on their first road game on Wednesday at Buffalo. I would imagine that'll be a win for them. And then they come back home against South Florida. And uh, VCU's women's team is looking really, really good in a tough non-conference schedule as they get ready to then go into A-10 play, which, you know, there's going to be some competition there as well. The the top end of that conference will be an absolute drag-out fight the entire season. I'm very interested to see once conference play starts where VCU will stack up there among those three to four teams at the top. So what's the home games this week? Just one, South Florida. On Sunday? Yep. 10-4. For my viewing purposes, I wanted to lock in there. All right, NFL quickly, uh, our team's played. Uh, Harbaugh, hey, he went for two in the loss. I really liked it. It was good. I don't have a problem. Like some Ravens fans and a writer at the Baltimore Sun we're like freaking out that he went for two. Oh, did Buster only say something? No, he doesn't work at the Baltimore Sun. <laughs> um, but it was, I guess, the Buster only of football at the Baltimore Sun. I don't know. He was saying it was a laughably terrible decision to go for two. Super Bowl winning coach. He, uh, he has the right to do it. Also, our entire secondary got knocked yeah. out of the game. All like, of them are hurt. They yeah. were all gone. 
So the idea of going into overtime and losing a coin toss and then having the Steelers drive, not because Big Ben is good, but because we have some guy who was bagging groceries two days ago in the secondary trying to guard an NFL receiver. Yeah, I don't mind that. And by the way, the play call worked. It was a good play call. We just didn't execute it. The guy was wide open. The pass just went off his fingertips because Watt is a machine defensively and got in there and altered the throw. That I, The fans who are mad at Harbaugh are just dumb fans. Again, they're cowards. They're gutless cowards who shouldn't be allowed to watch sports because it's not for them. They aren't strong enough to do it. You're not even strong enough to be a fan. Forget playing the game. I'm not strong enough to play the game. But if you don't go for two in that situation, you're not strong enough to watch the game. I the, what I said while it was happening was, you know what? I think Tom would have gone for it right here too. So I'm, I'm not, you know, win or lose, whatever Baltimore does right here, you know, I'm not going to bash them. I, I'll take the win. I'm happy, and uh, you know, that game being close even doesn't surprise me, even with the Steelers yeah. as bad as they are, because it's Baltimore and Pittsburgh, and they're both. I mean, they're Pittsburgh's defense so is similar also similar franchises. Yeah, Pittsburgh's defense is also really good, especially yeah. when healthy. Yeah, and they're healthy again. That's that. I mean, that's a reason for most of those five losses and a tie is they're missing so many guys. And I mean, they're not that great offensively. Really, not good. But you know, that that's such a stable organization that they still put themselves to be in a situation like that where they can they can win a game against a good Baltimore Raven team. But when injured, because they're just not as good as usual, they can tie the lines. So I was happy the lines won. I was I was happy for that. I I'm not. I was happy they won. I'm, I'll say I'm, this. I, if gambling is your thing, taking the points with the Lions is you will win more times than not. I think they're nine and four this year yeah, against the points. Every game has been close. They lose so many hard. Or eight and four. They're eight and four against the points. That's insane. Yeah, good for them. I'm glad they won a game. I, I it's not like I'm rooting for them, but I'm just glad. I'm glad it's not zero and seventeen and one or whatever it was going to be. So, oh sixteen. It might be one yeah. sixteen and one, but. <laughs> one fifteen and one. Yeah, your numbers have to add up to seventeen. I have to add up seventeen somehow. Yeah, it's been a long day. <laughs> <laughs> Math is Was- Washington won. They've won a bunch in a row now. They beat Seattle and the Raiders. Uh, they were winning against Seattle when we were recording last week, and then they beat the Raiders this weekend. Um, they just keep finding ways to win games. That that Heineke guy, guy is a baller. I mean, he just he balls, and I'll give him that credit. You just wish he had still had Chase Young out there for this final stretch, but they put themselves in a situation to be in the conversation in December. That's that's about going into the season. That's about all you could hope for is, right, you want to be in the conversation in December. They're there. They're on the line of it, but they're there. They are. I still think Dallas walks away with that division. I think Dallas has played some pretty good teams. And they play this week. And I think Dallas, yeah, they do play Washington this week. I think you'll see Dallas now that five of the remaining games – are against the division, I think you will see them start to pound the division yeah. and yep. go walk away with that division. Yeah, they play like the Giants. Is it they play the Giants twice and they play the Reds, uh, the football, the football team, twice. team twice, and then they have and the they, Eagles. Philadelphia only once. Yeah, man, it's a good schedule for them. All right. Well, we don't have an interview block this week. We talked enough about high school football, so let's just go on to the D block. D-block time here on the Exports Podcast. What is dominating your life? Just because I want to break up those two things you want to talk about. Wow, that's offensive. <laughs> hockey. Hockey has been great. Ugh. I love hockey. 
Hockey is the only thing that saved my weekend from what was just awful college football. College football was miserable. The Everybody's teams I, talking about his investments here. Yeah, the teams I <laughs> wanted to root, the teams I rooted for lost for the most part. Investments did not come through in college football. Hockey, though, Saturday, I totally forgot about it. When I was talking about, oh, my gosh, if Georgia doesn't cover, my investments are over. Totally forgot about the idea that hockey would come through for me, and it did in a big way. Ended in the positive on the weekend because of hockey. Love it. Now, tonight, the New Jersey Devils let me down, and sometimes that's what happens when you make a deal with the devil. Uh, but the Capitals, they didn't win in regulation, which I needed them to too, so I won't even get my money back. Also, the Kraken look like they're going to get killed. But whatever. It's okay. It's one bad night in hockey. I'll take the one bad night when it's followed up by two or three good nights in a week. Oh, and the good nights outweigh the bad nights. So love hockey. It's a great sport. Definitely should get into it, even if you don't have investment opportunities. It's just I just enjoy watching it. When I went to the live game, it was really good. I, I, I do struggle on TV with it. But playoff hockey, when it matters, I, I watch. Playoff um, hockey is intense. The yeah. New York Rangers have come to life a little bit. Uh, they are starting to gain ground on the Capitals. Uh, you also have the Hurricanes, who are up there in the Metropolitan Division. Caps did win tonight against the Ducks in a shootout. It was their first win uh, outside of regulation this season, which was amazing to hear. Uh, the Florida Panthers look great. So right now, I'd say you're probably looking at the, the Maple Leafs are up there. Sorry, I am not buying the Toronto Maple Leafs. I that is I will be the college football playoff committee to G5 teams when it comes to Toronto Maple Leafs. I don't care what that team's record is. When the playoffs happen, they get killed and they're not a real contender. I'm not. No, they all they're out. A shot. No, not the <laughs> Toronto Maple Leafs. Never again. The Florida Panthers, Tampa Bay Lightning. That's who I like out of that Atlantic division at this point in the season. How are my penguins? Your penguins are up there. Their problem is they're playing the Kraken tonight, which will help. But their problem is they are surprisingly not very good at home this year. They're 5-5-2, five, five, and two, which means five wins, five losses, and two overtime losses. But they, to me, I'm just kind of surprised at the, the general lack of you know, grit with that team this year. Oh, part God. of their problem is hey, aging. Don't throw that word at my team. Yeah, part of their problem is I don't aging. Want no grit. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I was struggling for a word. That one popped I, in, and as soon as I said it, I was it like, out. "What a great word!" Get it for, out for the Penguins because I hate that <laughs> word and I hate the Penguins. But um, I would say the Rangers are on a on a tear right now. Six wins in a row. I don't think they have staying power. I do think it's the Caps and Hurricanes in the Metropolitan. Was that, was that seven minutes of hockey? Is that what we just had? Yeah, you said you wanted the whole thing to be seven minutes. I told you that probably wasn't going to happen. <laughs> seven minutes I, of hockey. I, I, I just saw the penguins, or and it made it go double long. What's dominating my life, Joe? Is hey, I know we've talked Christmas, but yeah, you like Home Alone, like Home Alone one and two, and two. You like those? Yeah. Don't even for a second think about watching Home Alone. Oh, I, I Home had Sweet Home. I it's wasn't going to. so bad. I know Home Alone 3 and then Home Alone something else came out previously and probably decades ago trying to capture what's great about Home Alone and failing harshly. Well, it's been a while since anybody's tried to do anything. They make this Home Alone, Home Sweet Home or whatever it is. And it's it, like you can see the people in it. 
you can see the commercials for it and you can see that they're really trying to you know get back to something at least good they failed it was bad it was bad like the main male lead is so poorly cast it just doesn't work he shouldn't be in family films he's he's a comedian and he's been in other shows and he plays the same role in all of them he even played it in this where i think that was the wrong move and i think so i blame the director for having him it's probably not even his fault but it's bad there's some other people that do a good job um ellie kemper's in it from the office and like she actually handles her role well but i didn't i don't know i didn't like the kid i didn't like the storyline and they also really just point blank from the get-go you knew everybody's going to be friends in the end. And uh, so spoiler alert, don't watch that movie because it's just not good. Somebody needs to go to jail. When it's home alone and people are invading the house, people need to go to jail. So wait, there was a home invasion and no one goes to jail. No one goes to jail. That's Christmas why this dinner together the next year. Come on, man. What this are generation's about? soft. Yes, it's soft. So don't even waste your time. I highly don't recommend it. There's bad movies I would tell you to go watch instead of this one. I wasn't going to go watch it anyway. But okay. What All do you know right. that you what I, need to know? What I know that you need to know is that a horse has died. Medina Spirit, the Kentucky Derby winner, has died. Fell over during trainer dead. And you might think, this is weird. We don't usually talk about horse racing at this time of year. Medina Spirit's that horse that got, you know, popped for steroid use or whatever it was after the Kentucky Derby. So Bob Baffert is in a touch of hot water here. Not only was he suspended when all this happened and he's out of the, off the racetrack, was it two years or something? Multiple years. I don't, I don't, I can't remember what it was. But now this horse has unexpectedly died doing what it's supposed to be doing healthily. I just, this, this, I just saw the headline and I said, this just might be the end of horse. Like PETA just jumped out of their chair just said, here we go. Finally, we have it. Because this is just bad for the sport. Really bad for the sport. I actually don't think you're wrong. Um, that was my first reaction when I saw that, too, was, one, Bob Baffert is in trouble, rightfully so. And, two, I like watching horse racing, even when I'm not, even before this year, when I wasn't putting investments on it. Um I just I enjoy like three watching races it. A year. Three Saturdays a year, I like it. Yes, uh, that's yeah. me too. I, I watch it three Saturdays a year. I enjoy watching it. It's been a family tradition. That being said, the number of horses that die at these tracks keeps going up at an alarming rate. Uh, this is actually not a horse being injured, like breaking its leg on a track, which has happened quite a bit in the past few years. It just fell over dead. Uh can you still make glue when they do that on their own? It's just, it's it's getting to the point where, kind of like you said, I, I do kind of wonder how much longer horse racing is even going to be a thing in this country, just because I think it's going to get to a point where it's it's too much. Like, the public is going to turn. The public is already, before this, was starting to turn, and now you've got, horses breaking their legs at Santa Anina. You've got Bob Baffert's horse here just collapsing on the track, and there was rumors that drugs were involved before, and he tested positive for steroids. I honestly think that's one of the reasons you see as many broken legs now as you do, is just because the horses are so big, 
too much weight for him to support because it's too much muscle. And and I'm sorry, like this horses aren't people, so it's not like they're out there lifting weights, getting and they've learned different regiments. Yeah, Yeah. we haven't learned different regiments for horses to get bigger. Like I will say, like where there's smoke, there's fire. There, and so I I do kind of think like, hey, maybe we should do something about that. Like maybe. Maybe they're not allowed to inject horses with that kind of stuff. Like maybe that list gets tighter, and um, maybe they need to find better ways to test for it. Or maybe you just have to let it go. Like maybe it's time you know to what? let it go. Why not? Why not? Like just make it as clean as possible, as as just as absolutely clean as possible. Why not? Because people could couldn't care less what the time of this year's Kentucky Derby was compared to what it was in 1970. No one even knows that number. This isn't baseball. Well, and home I won't say no 66. one. People care about the finish. Who makes it first? And so if it takes them 12 seconds to get there, if it's people are going to, like, I just don't, I don't think that would change how the majority of the people tuning into this race would take it. And if they knew, like, I start to feel dirt. Like, seeing this makes me feel a little dirty about liking horse racing. I think that's common across people. So I just think if you do everything you can to have that public image of cleaning it up and everything's clean and, yeah, look, these horses aren't as big anymore, if they're still going to race. And if they're on an equal playing field and they're racing and everybody's clean, I, I, I think you can still have this sport, still have a similar amount of enjoyment, still have a lot of money coming in for what it is just the same. Like I, I this isn't baseball. Well, and you say no one's going to care where this horse stacks up against some horse in the seventies or whatever. Well, that, and but no one knows that Vast, vast majority of people. I was going to say my mom does. My mom loves secretariat. Can't get enough secretariat stuff. So she loves that. And she always compares. And I will say that with as big as these horses are and whatever they're putting in them, still can't touch Secretariat's time. So I do kind of wonder, like. Then outside of your mom, I don't know one person that could tell you a time of any of these horse races. Yeah, but and that's fair. But I just. I think if the sport wants to keep on going, it's it's going to have to go something like that where they're just like, you know what? Nothing. Nothing. So. I, I think that's the only way. Otherwise, I think it's doomed. Yep. Um, what I know that you need to know was uh, it was a wild, wild weekend in F1 this weekend. The race Sunday in Saudi Arabia was the first race at that track, and it was nuts. It was one of the fastest tracks on the circuit, it was a city style circuit, which meant that there's not a lot of edges off the track to where the wall is. So you not a lot of room for error there before a car ends up in a barrier. Uh, we did have a car go into a barrier. We had a lot of contact. We had a lot of rule violations during the race, including with the top two drivers in Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen. In fact, Leland at one point, Max Verstappen went on the inside corner to pass Lewis Hamilton illegally off the track he was told all right let's give the spot back to lewis hamilton so he slows down to give the spot back lewis hamilton is right behind him when he does this so lewis hamilton runs into the back of max verstappen and his tire which messes up lewis hamilton's front wing now 
I watched it. I watched a recording of it. And my first reaction was, all right, Verstappen is very clearly slowing down. What is Lewis Hamilton doing? My second reaction was, it's hard to tell, even from the replay, if Lewis Hamilton at the last second tries to go around Verstappen, and if Verstappen maybe moves that car a little bit into the way to get that contact, because as soon as the contact happens, Verstappen peels away. So it was kind of like, that's kind of weird. Um, But long story short, Verstappen gets hit with a five-second penalty and has to give the spot back to Hamilton again. Hamilton gets around him. Hamilton drives away with the race anyway, even with a damaged uh, front wing, which is really something about that Mercedes car this year. But the other interesting fact is the championship race that will decide it all the final race of the year is this Sunday, and Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen are tied in the standings. So the driver who finishes in front of the other will win the F1 championship this Sunday. It will be decided this Sunday. Well, I like that. I like, you know, one head heads up who finishes ahead of the other one wins. I like that. Yeah, and Liverpool, I also want to give them a shout-out. They pounded Everton in the Merseyside Derby. During the week on Wednesday, they are second in the Premier League, one point behind Manchester City and one point ahead of Chelsea. Everton, though, responded by getting spanked by Liverpool to come back and shock Arsenal. Arsenal, a team that started off not so great, kind of turned it on. They lose in surprising fashion to Everton at the very, very end of the match. Liverpool this weekend needed a goal at the very end to beat Wolves, who's a team that is not very good this year. So it was just, it was great. It was great to see Liverpool doing so well this week. They found a way to win. They have a Champions League match coming up this week against AC Milan in Europe. They have already won the group. They're looking for perfection in the group with a win against AC Milan. That will do it for us on the Axe Sports Podcast. Again, make sure you are subscribed, whether that's on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or the Podbean app. Those are the apps where you can find us. Make sure you are on there and subscribe so you don't miss another episode. You can follow us at Yak Sports Pod on Twitter, Facebook, Yak Sports Pod, or email us, yaksportspod at gmail.com to reach out, interact with us. We love hearing from you guys. Be sure to tell us uh, what you think in terms of the college football playoff, what you think is going to happen in these high school state championships or college basketball or NFL or whatever. What Would you have gone for two? Tell us. If you're brave enough to admit you're a coward, tell us. Um, <laughs> but until then, folks, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. For Lila McRae, I'm Joe Deck. Have a good night. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.